0: I'm going to need to take a picture of this. (laughs) Dan is wearing a super faded, um, super faded tie-dye t-shirt, and he's got the sleeves rolled up. It looks like, uh, you look like a 70s greaser
1: almost. This is what my dad said was cool when he was a kid. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's (laughs) old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness.
0: On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, what to do when only one person RSVPs yes to your party, private conversations in public places, environmental awareness etiquette, when wedding guests ask why you weren't invited, and a question of responsibility when it comes to a stolen bike. All that plus a PostScript segment on our summer concert etiquette coming up.
1: Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be a part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media.
0: I'm Lizzie Post.
1: And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute.
0: Oh, we're here. We're here. We made it here this morning. I'm through sorry. The storm. I was late. What? No, it was. I mean, it happens. But I, I was sitting there because it was it was like everyone was gone today. And I was like, did I miss the memo? Are we not recording
1: this morning? Well, and it's funny you ask it like that, because in some ways you missed the text. But then I missed the calls.
0: I know. I, Dan texted me, and the text never came through. And I called Dan twice, and he didn't get the calls or didn't pick them up, didn't see them, something. And so there was all of this wonderful technology that we were miscommunicating with.
1: Absolutely. And for a little background, as Lizzie was alluding at the start, it's an absolutely miserable day here today. It is just cold and wet and gray and rainy and... <sighs> Yeah, our summer really hasn't broke. We've we had, had a couple nice days May was here summer, and there.
0: And then all of a sudden, June, we are getting what San Diegans call June gloom. And we're just, it's now hit Vermont, two years running.
1: And Vermont is usually quietly, secretly the nicest place to be, June, July, August. It's just green and lush and and lovely.
0: It's killing me, man.
1: Yeah, no, we we deserve better. But I know. anyway, on this particular Wednesday, driving down in the rain, I was riding with Pooch. She had turned the lights on in the car and when I stopped at work, I dropped her off. I didn't realize it. I left the lights on when I came out an hour later to come here. Yes, I know. It only took an hour. Battery had died. So I was late. I had to borrow a car from Uncle Peter. (laughs) Yeah, we'll talk about Honda Civics and their power usage at some point. (laughs) But the short story, much longer. I was late and running late getting here this morning. And I sent a text to Lizzie telling her that I'd be here, but it did not land. And I was thinking about as I was driving over yesterday, we were recording our video, Etiquette Bites. And I was recording the Etiquette Bite. That's what the one piece of advice you would give if you had to strip down all of your business etiquette to one piece of really good advice, and the the piece of advice we chose was be on time. And here I was being late, <laughs> and for for work too. I didn't this know is that's what you guys were recording. That's yesterday. what Peter and I were doing yesterday. Three takes, oh, they the were iron, good takes. Absolutely, that's so. Great. so let me ask you, What what is the thing to do when you're away? What would you have appreciated from me this I, morning? Well,
0: I think you tried to do what I would have appreciated, which is the text message. But I think typically I'm a really responsive texter, and mm-hmm. you know that about me. So if you hadn't heard back from me, I would try to text again or call. And this actually is going to flow so wonderfully into our next question, the first question we have today. But I think it's that thing that when you're trying to give someone a warning or something, it's funny and obnoxious, but you can't just assume that they get the warning. And I don't have that text message from Dan. And I called him twice because I wasn't getting through and and I'm the one wondering what's going on and do I need to be here or not. And I think as the person who knows what's going on, knows that you're going to be late, reach out until you get a hold of somebody. And then if you really don't, at least you could say, well, look, I've got – Five calls out to you and four messages. I know. And, you know. You had called like me
1: twice and I had only texted once and I was definitely the one who was in the wrong. And I felt oh, that Oh, not anyway.
0: comparative that way. I just mean like, and no, you're not in the wrong. You thought you had done what would work. And usually our text messages aren't a problem to each other. So it's it was definitely a strange one for this morning. But it does lead so nicely right into our first question. So do you mind if we just jump right to it? Cut our intro short today?
1: I love it. You're going to accept my apology and we're on with the show. Sure. No, I'm just kidding.
0: Of course.
1: (laughs) Sure, you're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others.
0: On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. I love this question because it does play right into what Dan and I were just talking about. Hi, Dan, Lizzie. Thanks for your hard work on Awesome Etiquette. It's excellent. Here's a question for you. My wife and I recently moved. About a month after moving, we invited our neighbors over for a get-to-know-your-neighbor potluck. Only one person RSVP'd enthusiastically, so we'll call him Nick. 48 hours before the event, we emailed Nick and indicated he was the only person who indicated they'd be in attendance. We told Nick we'd be happy to have him and that we wanted him to know the group would be small so that he didn't bring a side dish to feed a large number of people. On the night of the event, Nick appeared not to have received our email, and he was surprised by the low turnout and indicated he felt awkward about the situation, as did we. Is there a better way to have handled this? We certainly didn't want to uninvite him, nor did we want to nag by sending a slew of, did you get our message, (laughs) emails to him. But we wanted to make sure his expectations for the event were in line with what was going to happen, i.e. that he would be the only attendee. We're moving again soon, the curse of young people everywhere, and don't want to repeat this in our new neighborhood. Many thanks, chance." I think his thoughts were in the right place. But again, when you don't hear back, that's when you want to do anything you can to get back in touch. And I know you don't want to send the slew of emails, but if yeah. he's your neighbor, generally you know where your neighbors live. So I might have actually gone and just knocked on a door or left a note on his actual door.
1: Yeah, the, the, That's it's, what I would do. What it would speaks you do? to the unreliability of, of electronic communication. There is such a volume of it that comes through. It's hard it's sometimes to, to register what the impact has been on a message that you've sent, and it's a great little reminder why it's nice to send replies when you get stuff, just to let people know. Particularly if there's been a change in plans. But I, I agree with you a little bit here that the hosts in this case are really talking about they've invited somebody for one thing mm-hmm. and something else is going to be happening. Yeah. So in some ways, a little bit like being the late party, it's it's a little bit on you to follow through on that communication. As the host, yeah. Because you've got the critical information. You've got the important information. I want to take a big step back and say bravo on having a housewarming party. Yay just and, to get
0: to know your neighbors potluck i love it so inclusive
1: and and absolutely it's going to be the key to success as you continue to make moves and i hope that you find yourself landing in a community where you're really happy and that it happens soon i hope
0: your next neighbors rsvp more frequently i can't believe these Ugh. guys they didn't rsvp or was it just that they didn't rsvp yes maybe they did and they rsvp'd no maybe yeah, i'm jumping my, my to my impression here. is that
1: they just hadn't heard much <laughs> but it's it's true that might be that might be a bit of a jump but definitely a good reminder that a, a non-reply does not equal a no Absolutely. RSVP. Um, and it does put a lot of burden on a host and on even on other guests in this particular case. But keep following up. And maybe a way to have a follow-up message without asking, did you get that earlier message, mm-hmm. would be to, to follow up with a particular change in plan. Mm-hmm. You know, we're changing the nature of the event we wanted to touch base with you. We were thinking about X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And-
0: let's, since it's just going to be the three of us, why don't we go out to dinner? Absolutely. Something Something like that. But again, you can't ensure that the person's going to get it. I, I would say take your next step. And because my guess is you actually do know which neighbor this is, put a little note on their door. Yep. They, can, It's so rare that that would be ignored.
1: And, and no need for awkwardness. Enjoy no. your party for three Yes, exactly. <laughs> and lots of leftovers for everyone. <laughs> Our next question has to do with conversations in the salon. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I've been listening to your podcast since the beginning and eagerly await each new episode. Once again, let me add very best wishes to you, Dan, on your marriage. May it be a wonderful journey together through the world. Thank you so much. Recently, I've been bothered by the appropriate etiquette for my regular nail salon visits with my sister. We treasure these appointments, and when booking the appointments, always indicate our wish to be seated next to each other so that we can talk. Our seating has never been a problem. We greet our nail technicians graciously and then settle in to connect with each other, mindful of other people just as one would be in any public venue. We do not have one regular salon. We select one of several based on our timing, their availability, or sometimes just random whim. We are not regulars who have become intimate with staff." Our etiquette challenge is that we have recently and repeatedly experienced uncomfortable situations whereby the nail technicians providing our service insert themselves into our conversations. It strikes us as both awkward and inappropriate, especially when we haven't invited participation. Even more disturbing is that our most recent visit to a salon, a new one for us, had to include in very hushed voices a discussion of the recent health of our mother. Even that topic in quieted voices triggered comment and involvement. While we do understand that we are speaking in a public venue, I wonder whether we have any right to expect the verbal participation in our conversations to be just between us, and if so, how do we go about ensuring that in a gracious way? Or, by being in such a public space, must we expect or welcome the involvement? And if unable to reach comfort with involvement, must we remain silent through this time together? Please advise. Sincerely Buffed, but Burdened.
0: Oh, buff but burdened. It's a tough situation, but I think you identify it in in kind of the end of your, your email to us where you say you understand you're in a public place. I think about the times where I've been in a salon, especially nail salon, and I'm getting my nails done and a friend is there and we're gossiping away or talking or whatever. And You're right. A lot of nail technicians, when you're there with a friend or family member, will sort of just stick to doing your nails and others will talk and get involved in the conversation. And I don't think it's ever right, especially when someone is working on you, to ignore them. I think it's really nice when a technician recognizes that this is a bonding time for someone and therefore steps out of it and doesn't insert themselves. But I also think that that's not – clearly, I mean, that's not going to happen every time. And I think you've had times where it hasn't. You're now experiencing times where they are inserting themselves. And I don't think you can say, "I'm, I'm sorry, but we'd just like this to be private. Um, I think no matter what, every time I've tried to think of language to say that it feels really wrong and so I'm not going to tell you to do that, but what I will say is save your really detailed and personal conversations for a time when you can be certain to be alone. Maybe carve out lunch one week instead of the pedicure. Um, I think you got to play it by ear. If a technician or stylist is particularly chatty or you notice them joining in then there isn't much you can say or do, so instead turn your conversation to the light, include them, allow it to be a nice experience for all of you. And it might be wise to take note of the salons where this is rare that it happens and try to book there more frequently. Or if it seems like You're just coming across (laughs) technicians every time you guys go out. Um, I think you need to book your time together so that you can get private time to talk later, like manicure and lunch or tea afterwards. Or
1: smoothie or juice bar or whatever is a treat for you. Exactly.
0: Something like that. But I think that's your best bet. I agree with you, and I'm glad that you haven't yet tried to tell them, please don't talk to me, because I think you're feeling probably what I'm feeling and what Dan's noticing in all of my body language as I try to come up with something to tell you to tell them, there isn't a good way to do it.
1: Yeah, and, and I would agree with Lizzie a thousand percent that I think there's no way to explicitly ask someone to please stop trying to participate in the conversation. That's going to come out wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you talked about appreciating technicians who know how to read somebody. And, they do, yeah. And, you know, sometimes you come and you sit down you want a haircut and you just want to talk the whole time. You want to talk about the wedding that they gave you a haircut for the last time you saw them.
0: I sit in that chair for four hours. (laughs) We talk.
1: (laughs) Other times, really, you just want to disengage. You want to experience being pampered and treated well and just check out. And the value from someone who can read that in you and and follow those cues is great and might be a real value to identifying a particular salon or particular group of people that you like. There might be a few – conversational cues that you can give that will help someone read that. Um, If you really keep your conversation directed with your sister, if you don't respond so enthusiastically or with follow-up questions when they do participate.
0: See, but I think that can be seen as as kind of rude towards the technician too. Think about it. Like if we're having a conversation, then she says something and we just kind of nod. "Mm Mm-hmm. It's, and it's, then go back to talking. It's a real mean girl's way of acting.
1: It could be. It's subtle territory. It's very it's,
0: subtle, and it, it's it is. I've, I've seen that happen, and it usually just it's it comes across as really snobby.
1: So, I, I would I would hear both of our voices <laughs> in your head if you're even thinking about that. But I, I think the really sound advice is is um, the advice that Lizzie gave at the start. And good luck finding a place where they understand you well enough that you can negotiate these situations with some ease.
0: This is one that I've actually heard of getting really nasty, and I get a kick out of it because my bank actually has a little sign-up that kind of solves this dilemma, and I love it because it, it's done in an educational way, and I'll tell it after, <laughs> after I've read the question and, and just before Dan gives his advice. I'm vacillating between showing kindness and respect to others and taking care of our planet for future generations. Please help during drop off and pick off times at a child care and school, I notice the vast majority of other parents idling their cars. The long and short term consequences of idling air quality, climate change, wasting a finite resource all alarm me. And I spend the long, cold Vermont—oh, she's a (laughs) Vermonter!—winter with my mouth unhappily shut about it. To me, unless you have a serious medical reason, you really should just brave the cold because it is that important. However, now it is summer and people are still doing it, despite there actually being a law against it in our state. I approached my child care center about posting information for other parents about not idling. Modern cars don't need it. It doesn't save fuel, as some people think. It affects people with lung conditions. How much money would you save from shutting their car off for the 5 to 10 minutes twice a day? But they were not in support of that. I am really uncomfortable with standing by and saying nothing, but I also don't want to be rude. I think finding a polite way to alert others to their ecological footprint is essential for modern etiquette and would love your advice. Um,
1: So what does the sign say? The (laughs) sign says –
0: well, our listener will love it because it comes from Merchants Bank of Vermont. And it says that if you're going to idle your car for – More than 10 seconds that it actually wastes less gas to just turn it off and restart it. But if it's under 10 seconds, then idling is fine. And they have that up at their drive-thru.
1: Green Mountain Coffee Roasters has a very similar similar sign out front about idling where people are – are likely to just pull up in front of the train station, run, run and grab in, a coffee, bra- and come out
0: exactly. So, yeah. ten seconds is actually all that it takes. And so, if you're going to be idling your car for more than ten seconds, shut it off. She's right. We do have a law in Vermont about it, but a lot of people are very unaware of it. And so, what do you, what do? Do, you do? Such
1: a Burlington question. I love this or Vermont question, but it it's is. true everywhere. And she's it...
0: done what I would have suggested, which is to go to the organization. So, what do you yeah. do now? The organization's not playing by the rules.
1: Um. To me, this comes back to the, the core etiquette question is, do you have standing to address someone else's behavior in a particular situation? And it is so difficult – to try to tell someone else what to do. Yeah. It's very rare that people have standing, or or even if you have standing, that someone's going to take it well. From some of the early episodes of the podcast, we talked about it. You might think you have standing with your spouse, but how many questions do we get about spouses who are having communication issues, talking to each other about how they're going to behave? You probably have standing with your kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe if you're a teacher or an employer, you have some standing with your employees or your students, but this can be really tricky territory and I do think the organizational approach is the first one. That's a great place to go. It gets tough because everybody has to make a lot of very personal decisions about where they draw the line and people feel very strongly about environmental issues, but they have very different feelings and how you find common ground with the people around you is one of the great skills. And it is true that certain shared social behaviors start to really be the etiquette territory. Um, years ago, we used to get questions about recycling in the office. I have coworkers that don't recycle. Mm-hmm. And it drives me crazy. How do I talk to them? We've got a new recycling program here and I want people to participate. How do I get them to participate? <laughs> I think you're going to catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. I agree completely. I think when you're talking about participation in the office recycling program or participating with the new no idling law in your state, that the more educating you can do, the more you can be enthusiastic about positive participation, the less critical you can be about failure to participate, the the more likely you are to have social success. And that social success is likely to lead to the actual results that you would like to see.
0: I think another one is to wait for your opportunity. This is something you're passionate about. It's really easy to want to walk up to that car that's idling and say all the positive things about shutting your car off, including the fact that it's lawful, you know? (laughs) And I think that the patience part of it is important to wait until you have that moment where someone says something about, oh, well, you know, I've got the car running and you can say, oh, you know what? It's actually just a heads up. Like, it's really great to turn your car off. That way it's not running for so long. And you know, then then you wind up with the time, and even that sounds kind of
1: yeah. It's, it's, it sounds
0: kind of yucky, even when I say I could see it sounding, you know, whaty. <laughs> what if you took
1: the positive approach back to the organization? Yeah. So you've oh, tried like to this. approach no, the I organization, like and you haven't got a good response, maybe even repeatedly. Maybe you can start to organize other parents, other customers of the, whatever the services, the child care service, so that you're asking for something as a as a block, as a group of people. That might be the next step.
0: Maybe you could notify law enforcement and let them. Know. No, 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 we don't want to go there. It is a law in Vermont. I'm just
1: saying. I wonder what the enforcement is about that.
0: I wonder what the enforcement is about that. How do they police that?
1: This reminds me of of when I first got to college and I encountered a lot of new vegetarians. And I was coming from small rural Vermont. And uh, a lot of people were deciding not to eat meat for environmental reasons. Right. And I had grown up. My parents raised chickens. We raised our own chickens. My uncle ran a small scale family size pig farm. We used to get our meat from my uncle Bert. And here were people eating monoculture soy from huge agribusiness telling me that it was better to eat that than the meat that I had grown up eating. Right. And I remember thinking to myself, this is such a personal choice it's that, such that there's a no way the person who's talking to me can know the set of decisions that I've made to end up where I am right now. And right. we all draw lines different places. and. As passionately as you might feel about any particular topic, I think it's also really important to remember that other people's perspectives matter and that there's a uh a chance that there's a piece of information that's really going to change someone's perspective on something Absolutely. but it's also entirely possible that they're aware of that piece of information and that the constellation of factors and forces in their life have led them to make a different choice and you can help by trying to build awareness about the issues that you care about but I, I want to advise you to be really careful about being too judgmental of other people's behaviors and, and thinking that maybe you know better than they do what's appropriate for them.
0: And have faith that over time, things really do change. It takes a long time for it to happen, though. So just like it took a very long time for us to become aware of the fact that idling had this impact on our environment, and then to actually get a law in place that said that it was problematic and that we shouldn't be doing it. It's going to take the masses a long time to get to the point where nobody idles their car for more than those 10 seconds that Merchants Bank mentions. So have have faith that over time you will see more and more people not idle their cars this way.
1: And super-duper take faith. My new wife has gotten on me about this one. I do less idling. We just bought a mower and we went electric because we were concerned about carbon footprint. That was not a decision I would have made on my own. But with an increasing social awareness around me, um, it's a behavior that that I noticed myself change recently. So thank you. (laughs) Keep up the good work. Change will come. Our next question begins, hello. A friend's daughter was recently married. We put up her family at our house. My teenagers helped with arranging flowers, desserts, directed parking, and serving on the day of the wedding. A week before the wedding, another friend mentioned something about it, indicating that I'd be there. I said that I hadn't received an invitation. That friend was very surprised. She said there was going to be almost 200 people there, and she thought I was close with the mother of the bride. My teenagers returned home, saying that people asked where I was. My daughter told them I was packing for a big trip. I thought that I wasn't close enough to the family, but heard the names of some of the guests and really wondered then. It sounded like other people were surprised that I wasn't there. I'm sorry that my daughter said I was packing because that could make it seem like I didn't put importance on the wedding. If the mother of the bride asks why I wasn't there, should I say that I wasn't invited? Thank you.
0: This is a really tough situation, and I I truly think you might be the victim of a mistake. I can't say for certain because I didn't make up the guest list, and I don't – people, you know, have very – specific and sometimes strange reasons for how the guest list gets divided the way that it does. Um, Sometimes
1: just difficult.
0: (laughs) As I watch Dan go through it, it it is really difficult. Um, I've been in this situation where actually the groom, it wasn't even the mother of the bride, but the groom was like, wait, what? You're not coming to the wedding? I said, no, I wasn't invited, but don't worry about it. You know, I totally understand guest lists are what they are and you can't invite everybody. And that's what you need to do. If the mother of the bride." i does ask which is where your question actually is coming from, if the mother of the bride asks why you weren't there, you should say, well, truthfully, I I didn't get an invitation, and I totally understand that, you know, there are all kinds of reasons for how a guest list is chosen, so I just figured we'd help out any way we could, and I'm just so happy that it was such a beautiful day, or that the girls came home saying it was great. You might even mention, you know, I understand one of my girls didn't know what to do when she was asked why I wasn't there, so she, you know, she, she tried to cover me and say, I was packing for a trip. I'm, I'm not, you know. Yeah. No, it's, it's
1: honesty, 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 and I love the the fealty to that. <laughs>
0: absolutely. Honesty, honesty, honesty. It's the best way to go. And what I love about what our question asker has done is that she, from the get-go, wasn't offended that she wasn't invited. And I think you need to keep that in your heart. And, yes. and don't let other people being concerned about it all of a sudden cause an offense in you that wasn't there from the get-go. Yep. And I think that that's really the best way to handle this situation. And, you know, the mother of the bride might not say anything, and then you don't have anything to worry about at all. Thank you so much for writing in, Amber, and we hope that it, it goes well in the future and that you and this family that you are close to have a lot of fun memories ahead of you. Our next question starts, Hi, Lizzie and Daniel. Love your podcast and would appreciate your advice. I recently hosted our family's Father's Day dinner at my home in Seattle. I had noticed a bike locked up next to my porch and mentioned to my brother that we should remind the guest to put it somewhere else. Unfortunately, I was the chef and coordinator of the dinner, so I forgot and no one else mentioned it. Then, at the wrapping up of the event, he went to grab his bike, And lo and behold, the lock was cut and the bike was gone. The bike wasn't his main bike, being an avid rider. But it has significant value and probably bothered him more than he'd like to show. Well, at this point, I might as well say it was my dad, the Mm -hmm. honoree of the evening. I am absolutely offended by my neighborhood and embarrassed that this happened to a guest. What is the appropriate way to make up for something you didn't intentionally cause but feel responsible for? I want to make sure he feels safe and welcome anytime. (laughs)
1: Aww. <laughs> I know,
0: doesn't that stink on Father's your father Day? on
1: Father's Day. It's
0: like I picture your dad or Uncle Billy or Cousin uh. Peter who love their bikes and like ride one of them over and it's like a special one. It's not their main road bike, but it's like a good road bike. Biking's
1: and, a big deal around the Post is. family. My, my parents are right now preparing for their... Summer long-distance ride, now an annual they, event. Yeah, they ride
0: across the country
1: every year. Um, And, and I extra super sympathize because this has been me. Oh, I've you've been, had
0: your bike stolen I've off a porch I've been the or person
1: something? at a – it was a social event. It was a big party and my bike was on a porch on the house and was gone. And oh, no, no question, but it was stolen. It was a town where this happens and – the unfortunate and sad reality is that that is a, a risk that people who ride bikes all the time face, that you can do your best, you can lock your bike up, you can keep a, an eye on it. But there's – it's more likely to be stolen from my experience than a car just having gone through it. Super easy to steal. And and really that's that's not your responsibility as the host at this party. It's – a bike
0: owner's uh, responsibility.
1: I like the self-awareness and the self-assessment yeah. that you would recognize the potential danger and that at the time you would even thought to yourself, I should warn my guests about this. And to host out there, it's absolutely a good idea if there's a – Something about the particular place that you live or maybe it's difficult directions getting there. People always take the wrong turn, three bridges down. It's nice to know those things about where you live and do your best to warn and help people who are going to be your guests avoid those troubles or pitfalls.
0: She warned her brother. I mean she let her brother know because she didn't know whose bike it was. So it's like at least she did something but it didn't – the word didn't spread unfortunately.
1: And in the same way that occurred to you, it probably could have occurred to your father when he was – Locking his bike up there and um, if he was really concerned, he could have talked to you about it and and ultimately it's great that you're thinking about your responsibility and that you're thinking about the way someone was negatively impacted when they came to visit you and to celebrate with you. But this isn't a situation where I'd say that you're – financially responsible for what happened that night. And you can definitely express your sympathy and your concern. You and could
0: make a gesture to replace it, but you don't have to.
1: Exactly. Right? And it's definitely worth being aware, having gone through it, that it does feel like a violation. Anytime something oh, yeah. is stolen from you. It, um, you feel vulnerable. There could be all kinds of difficult and complex emotions that your father might have around this. And if he doesn't respond the way you would usually expect him to respond or just maybe give a little latitude in the relationship because that that can be a really difficult thing.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry that it was stolen, but I hope that in the future you guys know, put the bikes in the back of the house or inside the house even, and, you know, hopefully he'll find a new bike that has sentimental value.
1: And that this doesn't dissuade you from hosting future celebrations. Best to you and your father. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness
0: thanks to everyone for sending in your questions and remember we love updates if we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions feel free to send it in you can also submit your question to awesome etiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via facebook or twitter just use the hashtag awesome etiquette so that we know you want it on the show
1: Today's Postscript, we're going to talk a little bit about summer concert etiquette. Uh, I don't know about ULP, but a certain subset of my friends are off to Chicago this weekend to hear Trey Anastasio, a Vermont favorite, play with the last remaining members of the Grateful Dead in the last Grateful Dead concert that Mm -hmm. is going to happen. Um, So anyway, thinking about summer, thinking about summer concerts, I know that you recently did an interview with VPR Classical on this topic and I saw a a whole round of articles early this summer. This was a hot Google topic around etiquette and um – I'm curious your thoughts on the subject.
0: (laughs) Well, they're certainly varied. There's a lot when it comes to summer concert etiquette and not just summer concert because they're outdoor venues, but concert etiquette in general. I wanted to start off actually with indoor venues because, you know, it's a classic question. It is a classic (laughs) question. And, and. There are a lot of ways to affect the people around you, both positively and negatively. And a lot of that starts with getting in and out of your seat. And you've heard us talk about this before on the show. But when is it okay? Um, Obviously, during intermissions and when you're first sitting down and at the very end of the show, when you get up, it's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. But I also think, what does happen when you start having a coughing fit or you really have to use the restroom all of a sudden? Uh. And you're in the middle of this darn aisle, not aisle, row. I mean, what do you do? And you're weighing two distractions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's always best to wait until there's some kind of intermission, some kind of a break in the performance, um, even if it's just the end of a song. You definitely want to try to avoid standing up during people's solos, especially. Ah, I, like that. Um, I would really try to avoid that. Um, and so if you absolutely have to, people will understand. But best concert etiquette is to wait for a break or some kind of applause or something also so that you kind of aren't disrupting um, what's often a very quiet time, d- depending on the concert. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. If Big rock concert, a little different than a, you know, Mozart fest or something like that. Well,
1: and, and that's another question we get all the time. Do, 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 you, do you sit or do you stand? How do you identify?
0: What's the right thing to do for the venue? <laughs> is it
1: Mozart? Is it rock and roll? Sure. What if it's somewhere in between?
0: Well, I was once at the Flynn, um, which is one of our local theater houses, what no. It's
1: it's our marquee theater, downtown Burlington. Downtown
0: Burlington. And Andrew and I were seeing Alan Toussaint, one of my favorite artists, and he wound up playing songs that people wanted to dance to, but you couldn't quite tell if we should say, like, we both kept looking at each other like, I want to get up and dance, but I don't know what to do. And I think eventually some people started dancing in the aisles mm-hmm. and that that became the place to get up and do something like that as opposed to um, getting up in your seat and then blocking the view of the people behind you. For sure. So I think you kind of have to pick your place and if you if you really can't stand it, if you just have to move your feet and nobody else is doing it, I say get up and actually go to the back of the theater where you won't be blocking anyone or being a distraction in the aisles. And
1: well, and someone's got to go first. So if you get up and start dancing, but nobody follows you, notice that. And maybe he sit back down. <laughs> absolutely.
0: Now, here's a question. We were talking about how to get up if you do absolutely have to get up how do you maneuver through those seats? And that, that applies anytime you're coming or going.
1: Sit, do, sit do, do down we go? theater etiquette, question number yeah, one.
0: <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you know? Are you, Which are way you do front you face? to front or back to front? How do you do this?
1: So someone, awkward pretty much no matter what you do. It really is. And someone in our last episode asked about Peggy Post and what she does at the Institute. And I'll tell you one of the first etiquette lessons I learned from Peggy Post was she answered this very difficult etiquette question oh, for really? me. That's so Peggy's guideline, and I love it is that you keep your focus on the stage or on the performers. And if you're facing front or if you're facing the front of the house, that definitely means that your back is to the people who are sitting in the row that you are entering. Okay. And unless that's particularly awkward for some reason, that's oftentimes the best way to do it. It also puts the backs of the seats in front of you, in front of your hands, so that if you do need to grab something, if you lose your balance, you've oh, got see, the backs of those seats. I hate it when seats. people
0: do that because so many of those seats move and then someone grabs your seat. You get
1: you I would bad. try not to move that person, yeah. but it's there. Better it than falling better into the lap than falling of the person. The per- Person.
0: you're absolutely right
1: on the other side but I really the, to me the, the ethic of keeping your attention on the performer makes a lot of sense there
0: alright digital boy let's go to everyone's favorite question how do you handle cell phones and digital watches during these kind of performances? And again, we're not yeah. talking rock concert right now. We're going to get to that in a minute. Unless it's, the,
1: yeah, the lighter app. <laughs> um, <laughs> so funny. First of all, hopefully it's not you. And yeah. if it is you, if you're the one who's forgotten to turn it off or has habitually gone to answer it because that's just your habit and you have forgot where you are, silence your phone. Put it away. It's not the time for phone calls. It's probably also not the time for texting.
0: It's also not – yeah, it's not the time to be checking these things either. I was at a movie theater the other weekend and someone was checking it and it was just like – come on, man, put it away. It's so not needed. Like right now, the light is driving me nuts. And that's one thing to remember. Your digital watch too. Not as many people wear them nowadays, but you know, some people do. And when that thing beeps because it's your normal time to take your medicine or whatever it is, feed the dog.
1: Your Fitbit alert, you've hit your 10,000 steps. Exactly.
0: (laughs) You really want to make sure that any kind of noise like that or light like that is shut off so that it doesn't bother those around you.
1: But if it's the person next to you, Maybe a little reminding look, but probably you don't want to glance, approach them and yeah. ask them to turn it off. The real answer there is you look for someone who has standing, an the usher, usher the the a house manager, something it. like that.
0: Okay, food and photography. Give it to me.
1: Look for rules from the house. Yeah. If they've asked you not to take pictures or video, don't even have the phone in your hand. Don't give them an excuse to come by and wonder what you're doing or even ask you to leave. Yeah. Um, Respect performers. They put a lot into those performances. And sometimes their rights to the pictures and video is one of the very few things that they get to walk away from that event with. Um, Same with food. Respect the rules of the house. If they say no food or drinks inside, don't bring food or drinks inside. And certainly don't distract people with odors, sounds, or the process of you eating.
0: <laughs> Let's move on to outdoor concerts, which is really the fun part of summer. And certainly on the, the hot music scene right now, most people are attending outdoor venues. What about moving through the crowd? You know, it's like you want to get up to the front. You want to move forward. You, How do you push? Do you push? Do you, push, you Magic shove? Words
1: are so magic even in crowded crowds <laughs> even crowded crowds even in crowds of young people a little excuse me a little pardon me goes a long long way to acknowledging what you're doing and If you do encounter someone who is uh, difficult or being difficult, my mother would say discretion is the better part of valor. No point in escalating any difficult situations that happen accidentally along the way.
0: Well, and speaking of accidental situations, a lot of the times when people are dancing, they don't realize that, you know, they keep bumping you with their purse or that maybe their hip keeps nudging you or their hair is getting in your drink (laughs) or something. And it's important for you to find a way to navigate that situation. And a gentle reminder, a gentle kind of like, oh, you know, sorry, or oh, be careful is okay. But anything like, hey, man, anything that starts to sound aggressive, that's when you're going to elicit an aggressive reaction back.
1: And a great just reminder, even in a crowd, the comfortable social distance for people is 18 inches. And even if you're in a crowded, crowded crowd, if you start to find yourself getting much closer than 18 inches face-to-face, you might start to get reactions and responses from people that are different from their normal. So just be prepared for that and also be prepared to respect people's social distance even in crowds.
0: Where you're going to be no inches
1: apart. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) Garbage. Being outside, you know, sure, you do. You you get something from one of the vendors. You eat it. You don't want to go all the way to the garbage cans. Hang on to it,, rule. <laughs> yeah, carry in what you carry out and definitely clean up after yourself. It, I know that they have staff to do this afterwards, but why, why make it worse? Why make it worse?
1: John and Cindy Senning came to a concert that Will and I were at many, many years ago when we were in our early teens. They were curious about the particular scene that we were going to be on. Um, we didn't see them that day. They, we, we were we were there with uh, with our friends. And For
0: those that don't know, I'm just going <laughs> to expose my dear cousin because he is wearing a tie-dye shirt today. And that is that he is a major fish head all throughout all throughout. Total fish head. Went to as many concerts as he possibly could.
1: G- growing up in Vermont in the 90s, I have a good excuse. Yeah, right? <laughs> it was very much, it was the, the major social event for people in my high school totally, <laughs> growing up. Totally, totally. Um, my parents found somebody in the back of the crowd. Not somebody. There were several kids and what the set had ended and people had cleared off and they were there cleaning up garbage. And my parents sat and helped them do a little venue cleanup for a little while. But they came away with such a positive impression of so nice. that particular particular group of people. And they they told us the story and they have told other people the story. So be a good ambassador. Be a good member of the crowd. Look for ways to do little positive things and contribute in a positive way. And that's some of the best etiquette advice that I can give. So really. thinking
0: about contributing in a positive way, while it might be positive for one person to hop up on your boyfriend's shoulders or to put your kid up on your shoulders so they can see, it's often not great for the people around you. And I think you really have to recognize this. I actually watched a fistfight out at one of the Jazz Fest concerts because of this, mm-hmm. um, because kids were up on dad's shoulders and the people behind them were angry because they had paid $50 to see this person and they couldn't see. And it was tightly packed. It was hard to find a spot to move yep. around in that crowd. And it was really frustrating. You feel bad. You want the kids to be able to see and enjoy it. You want the parents to have a good time. But you also have to understand that you've now gone from being five foot 11 to being almost seven feet tall. Yep. Um, and that's a real problem when you're in the middle of a crowd and people are trying to see around you. So, um, I think the best thing to do is either give your kids a, a view for a short period of time and then take them down. I like that. Try to find a way to get to the edge. Um, So that you can have your kid up on your shoulders but you're less likely to be blocking someone. Move to the back and have your kid on your shoulders or move up to the front if you can and then your kid doesn't have to be on your shoulders. And if
1: your kid's so tired that they can't stand, it's really a break, then probably the middle of the rock concert's not the best spot. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, exactly. So – is that a general thought that's that's worthwhile for kids you really want to be age appropriate you want to be thinking about the crowd and what are reasonable expectations Absolutely for I'm your child
0: all for kids being at all kinds of experiences and and giving them those chances to practice their manners in different venues and as a kid I loved the fact that every summer we would go to Mozart Fest at Shelburne Farms and we would get to be you know we'd always do fried chicken and picnic cherries and picnic on the and lawn, and, on the yeah, lawn it's and the best There were fireworks, which scared the bejesus out of me. They would fire (laughs) the cannons, which were really scary, but... It was a venue where if we started to act up, we could get kind of brought over to, you know, the lawn further away on the lawn and run around, you know, um, get our crazies out and then come back and sit down and kind of like, you know, sleep in mom's lap as we listen to this really pretty music. And I think that those kind of things are really great. Obviously, not every venue is going to allow space like that. I mean, that was limited access. So you're not in a crowd of a 1000 people. But I do think that It's really important to be aware of your kids, aware of how long they can handle something like this. It might be that you can only stay for a few songs and then it's time to go home and that's okay. Um, You know, it might be that the babysitter meets you at the entrance at at halfway through the show so that you can stay longer and then... You know, your kid can get some of the experience, but then also really not have it hit that crashing point where then, you know, your child's overtired and it's, it's really problematic for the people around you. Um, I think it is really important for parents to try to give their kids these experiences, to practice the etiquette while they're there, but also know when it's not working anymore. I like it. <laughs> Well, we hope that that advice helps you enjoy summer concerts in your area and for as far away as you may travel to see them. And for more, don't forget to check out my interview with VPR Classical. You can find it on VPR.net.
1: You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know?
0: Our etiquette salute today is very sisterly. Dear Dan and Lizzie, I wanted to send a salute to someone so very special to me and who made a difficult time in my life much easier. My younger sister is a very kind and compassionate friend to family and friends alike. I have always admired her ability to be there for everyone and help them through difficult times and good times alike with either just a listening ear or helpful advice that doesn't step over the line into being a busybody. These last few months, I was blessed to experience this firsthand. My son is an officer in the Navy, and we experienced his first extended deployment, leaving on my birthday. I was understandably a little emotional, but honestly thought that because he is away all the time across the country, and we don't speak on a daily basis, that it wouldn't be a big deal. My sister knew better. She's been through it a few times, understatement, and was aware of what I wasn't. It is much harder to not be in touch when you can't be— than when you just Aren't because of everyday busyness in life. She was amazing in her understated but definitely there for us support. She sent me a yellow ribbon necklace for my birthday, which I wore constantly until his return, and sent an encouraging card each week to remind my husband and I that she was there and understood how much harder it was than we could have imagined. She made what could have been an emotional and difficult 10 months so much easier just by letting us know she was thinking about us and that she understood. I have to say, my sister rocks. Terry, Diamonddale, Michigan.
1: That's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And don't forget, there's no show without you. So please send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it. And of course, you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com, or our new Facebook page, Awesome Etiquette. You can also leave the show your question as a voice message that we can play on air by calling our new phone number, 802 866 our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner. Our show was produced by the amazing Hans Buto. Now is the time for all good men to get together with one another. Another their problems and honor their quarrels and try to live as brothers. And try to find peace within without stepping on one another and do respect. The women of the world Just remember we all had mothers Make this land a better land And a world in which we live And help each man be a better man With the kindest life to give I
0: know we can make it Are you going to do it again with a little more pep or do you want me to do it with pep?
1: Hans, let me give that to you a little better.
0: (laughs) Drink some coffee, Daniel.